Welcome into the Maroon Mike podcast. I'm your co-host, Andrew Miller. I'm your other co-host, Daniel Faulkner. And we are back to preview a football game that probably doesn't need much preview. Um, and I'm sure that I've said that we will now lose to ETSU because that's how things typically go. Every time I've made some sort of big proclamation MSU for MSU, it blows up in my face. Uh, and I'm going to tell you guys now, I did not do a lot of prep for this show. I've got some ETSU stats pulled up in front of me to tell you the bare basics. Uh, and I didn't even put together the games that we're going to do for our pick But uh, obviously, we're going to talk about that football game. We're going to go through our SEC pick for the week. Um, and then later in the show, you're going to hear me and Colton doing kind of an early season, another breakdown about basketball. Obviously, we just put our, our preview show a couple weeks ago, but right now, early returns, people are getting excited. Um, and you've, you've got two teams with two new coaches and a, a lot of players who are starting to come together and really show that these these two teams could you know be special in their own ways. I'm not going to get too bold and start talking about you know, tournament runs or anything like that, or for, in the men's case, even making the tournament. But we certainly wanted to take some more time to get people more excited about basketball because uh, we think it's going to be a really, really fun winter and early spring uh, at Humphrey Coliseum for those two teams. So that'll be the back half of the show, me and Colton breaking down what we've seen from the men's and women's teams so far. <laughs> but before we get into football, uh, obviously there is still a lot going on on campus. And, you know, I, I'm going to – like I forgot the phrase, but it doesn't matter. I think I talked about the soccer matchup a little bit with Colton, uh, and well, we already recorded that. I don't. I think we we mentioned something about like that game being played, but we didn't break it down or anything like that. Which we're not going to ask for a big breakdown. But I know Daniel, uh, you're you're in tune on some of that stuff. So just what's going on with soccer right now? Obviously, yeah, well, the you know, first ever, yeah, first ever tournament win ever for the school. Right? I remember four years ago we had our first ever appearance lost at home to Lipscomb. Oh, and a heartbreaker going in overtime, and now, you know, you, you you did almost have a heartbreaker against New Mexico State. You get the lead right before halftime, uh, and then the middle of the second half, uh, New Mexico State gets the equalizer, and with very little time left in the match, I think four minutes left, uh, we were able to get the go-ahead goal, go up two to one. We were able to hold our ground defensively uh, in the final third to to you know push them on to the victory and moved on. First time ever. Now we were the seventh seed in our bracket. Supposed to uh, go to the two seed, St. Louis. They lost. Memphis. So one of those rare two fifteen upsets, right? And and if you're thinking about like just how surprising that is, if you look at the one seed in the bracket, Alabama, they beat Jackson State, the sixteen seed, nine to nothing, nine goals. If you watch soccer, that that does not happen, like ever. So so it's still a very top heavy sport. And so seeing a big upset like that is huge. And so they will play Friday, November 18th, 4 p.m. Central Time, ESPN+. Plus. Go tune in. Uh, they'll be in Fayetteville, Arkansas. I don't have the word on why it's not in Starkville. I don't know if they just weren't prepared for it. I, I know, like, you could say they had a week to prepare. I don't know. I don't know why they have to go to Fayetteville, but they are. Nevertheless, we can still watch it. If you have ESPN+, Plus. it'll be a great opportunity. And – who knows? Maybe the the first time ever we can move on to uh to the Sweet Sixteen. I don't know if that's what they call it in the soccer tournament, but uh you know, huge opportunity for uh, James Armstrong and Co. Awesome. No, that's great to hear. Obviously, them getting their first tournament win is is a big deal, and then it's disappointing they can't host another game on campus because you know we, I think believe 
I don't know if I can't even remember. I'm losing track of who we had on the show. I think it was Colton, and or or might have been you. And we were just talking about like there's so much stuff going on on campus right now to be excited about, and uh, a lot of sports that you can definitely get behind. And soccer is one of them. So uh, that was last week's uh, preview show. Yeah, that last weekend there was so much going on. Friday, I think there were three different sports going on. Yeah, uh, yes, women's basketball, soccer, and volleyball all in one day. Right. So a lot happening with MSU athletics. You love to see it. You mentioned ESPN Plus. That is an important thing for people to keep note of because that is going to be your only way to watch this football game this weekend if you are not at Davis Wade Stadium. And frankly, I would imagine not a lot of people are going to be at Davis Wade Stadium, even though it's senior day. And I know Lounge on the last episode, he certainly you know put out he wants to see people show up for this team and get behind him for their last home game. I would certainly love to see that. I also understand 11 a.m. kickoff against an FCS team, uh, you know, the weekend before Thanksgiving. Some people may be traveling, whatever it may be. But it do note this game. So part of, you know, the SEC's latest big, you know, one of the big TV deals. And, of course, all of this is about to be restructured once Texas no usual win. But part of it is, you know, ESPN's pushing ESPN Plus, And all the SEC teams have had to agree that they're going to have one game a year that is only available via ESPN Plus, which is a subscription-based service. You're going to have to pay for it. I think that price is up to like $9 a month. I pay for it, even though I really shouldn't be paying for it. Um, so if you want to tune into this game. They have so much content on there. They do. And like I, I read some of I like, you know, I like Bill Connolly a lot, their college football writer uh, who does SP Plus, and he does some really good stuff that I like I like to read. So if, you, if you're going to take the time to read the articles, and there's a lot of games to watch, to be fair, and especially some of the niche sports, that's the way to find it. But uh, not like that we need to be – yeah, you know, the Big 12, they, like, they have big-time games being played, like yeah. conference games. The SEC hasn't got to that point yet. It, it's still, you know, FCS opponents by and large. But, again, ESPN Plus, that's how you're going to have to watch this if, you, if you're not going to be uh, in Starkville for the game. Talking about ETSU, so a year ago, I probably would have put a lot more effort into this preview because last season ETSU had a fantastic year. They won 11 games. They were a top-10 FCS program. I think they made it to like maybe the quarterfinals of the playoffs. I don't remember exactly, uh, but they were a really, really, really good team. And they kind of been building up to that. Well, I believe their coach retired. They have a new coach in this year. It has not gone well for them. Uh, they are three and seven on the season. What's interesting is they're three and seven. They're scoring 31.6 while only allowing 28. It's one of those weird things where the way they've scored in their wins has actually gives them like a more points scored on the season than points allowed. And they do have some close losses mixed in, but three and seven on the year and really don't have a single impressive win on the resume. The teams they've beaten are pretty bad. They've also lost to some bad teams and the better teams in their schedule have largely handled them. Did have a close, you know, a 10 point loss to number 15 Samford uh, and Samford, by the way, runs the air raid. So I guess they've seen a dose of the type of offense they're going to see. Um, but it hasn't been a great season for them. Um, and for that reason, I know it's Mississippi State. Crazy things happen. We obviously are not going to go into a massive breakdown, but just going over some of the base stats for them. Uh, they've been a you know run-heavy team this season, rushing for over 175 yards per game. At five yards per carry as a team, which is really good. Their bell cow back, Jacob Sailors, uh, he has over 1,300 yards on the season. Uh, oh, that's, that's his game. His net is over 1,200 yards on the season, right at six yards per carry, 15 touchdowns for him. Uh, so he's going to be sort of the, you know, the big time guy for them uh, that they're going to build everything around because of that, the passing game, they haven't gotten much. Tyler Riddle is their quarterback on the season. He's completing uh, 50, 
uh, about 55% of his passes for 1,900 yards, 15 touchdowns. He's also thrown nine interceptions. Uh, from a yards per attempt standpoint as a team, it's not particularly high. They're only uh, getting about 6.8 yards per attempt. Um, and, you know, offensively, again, a lot of what they're going to do is built off their ground game. If you're looking for some of their top pass catchers, they have three guys. Where is it at? I just scrolled past it. Three guys over 30 catches on the season between Will Huzzy, uh, Inaish Carter, I believe that's how you'd say that, and Isaiah Wilson. Uh, and those three guys have combined on the season for 12 touch, twelve of the 15 touchdowns that have been thrown. So those are sort of your guys to look for in their receiving core as we're just quickly rolling, scrolling through this team. Um, defensively, it 28 points per game in this era of college football isn't terrible, but they are giving up around 420 yards per game. Uh, and when you look at you know, them in the run defense, over 150 yards game allowed um, at four, over four yards per carry. Uh, pass defense hasn't been great for them. Uh, 268 yards a game allowed at 7.2 yards per attempt. They've given up 20 passing touchdowns. Now they have picked off 11 passes. And that's the one big thing that you'll look at with this defense. Uh, I have to scroll down to get to this. Hold on just a second here. This is great radio. Uh, crap, what was that? Yeah, interceptions. Elijah Huzzy, five interceptions for him on the season, including a pick six. Uh, and they have Sheldon Arnold, the second with two, uh, as well as four other players who picked off one pass. So, look, this is a team that likes to get their hands on the football. They've also recovered eight fumbles on the year. So if there's one thing that they do really well, it's that they're able to force some turnovers. Uh, and, and, you know, that's kind of how they can get after teams. Uh, on defense, the biggest name to know outside of Puzzy, again, with his five interceptions, Chandler Martin, 99 tackles, which leads the team, nine and a half tackles for loss, which leads the team, and he's tied for the team leading sacks at three and a half. So that's sort of your big-time guy up there at front um, to pay attention to. Look, I, I ran through that pretty quickly. There's not a lot to say. We wanted to hit on some of their, their key players. This is a team that, again, a year ago I would talk about, you know, Mike Leach teams do weird things. They could mess around. Like, they beat Vanderbilt last year, and I know Vanderbilt was awful, but I think they won by a couple scores. They've clearly fallen off quite a big cliff, and I think the expectation, Daniel, is that if you're Mississippi State, especially what you've seen recently, you just need to go out and get up big, handle your business, and coast. Yeah, especially losing uh, three of your last four games for Mississippi State. It's not been a good stretch. It's not been kind at all to, to Mississippi State fans. And all you have to do is just go out there, put up points, get it out the way, right? And, you know, I'm not going to say what everyone's saying. A lot of people are, you know, just upset about a lot of things on Twitter. I mean, look, it was right around where we almost expected ourselves. Preseason, everyone was saying we're going to win the Egg Bowl. Well, all of us, I should say, Mississippi State fans. Um, and now, obviously, you know, that's still a bit of a question. And, and honestly, it should be a question. Whether or not Ole Miss is good and we're bad or we're bad or we're good and Ole Miss is bad, that, that's just the case that that's going to be. But we still have this game on Saturday. You know, like, it's still a football game. Show up to, to the players, I'm saying. Show up. Get your job done. Your starter. Hope that you're just done playing halfway through the second quarter. Or probably halftime. I mean, Leach will like to keep his guys in for a little while. Hope you're done by halftime let the other guys get a chance to play. And after at that point, just take some rest. So you have a really big game on Thursday. Fans, it's the last chance to see them. And I'm going to echo what, what Lounge Dog had said. I want people there. I mean, it, it's the last – it's our last game of the year or at home, right? And 
Last chance you get to see Mississippi State football play in Davis Wade Stadium until September of 2023. So come on out. Like, let's have a great time. Yeah, it's 11 a.m. kickoff. And some of us uh, like 11 a.m. kickoffs because you get the rest of the day to enjoy, hopefully, uh, a win. If not, you get to bring your spirits up by watching other teams play and hopefully a rival lose. But, <laughs> you know, it, it's just going to be a good time. And you get the game out the way. Have a great time. So to all you fans, look, I hope you come. It's going to be a great time, you know, and and I don't know what else to say. Just go out there and execute. Execute on offense, you know, and and don't drop passes because that's been an issue. Create separation. I mean, we are, talent-wise, we are better than them. Let's show it. Yeah. No, I think Mississippi State fans, especially – Look, I understand Alabama, even with the way they've struggled this year, Alabama's its own monster. Georgia is it's a behemoth right now. But, you know, you feel like you're better than Auburn. Talent-wise, sure, Auburn is going to rank higher than you pretty much every single year. But that was a bad Auburn team, and you had a lot of struggles offensively. Kentucky is not a good football team. This They're, they're going to go to a bowl, but they're not great. And obviously, the way you looked in that game, I know it's ETSU, but this needs to be a get-right game for your offense to get some things put together. And you hit on a couple points that I want to build off of getting more reps in for other for other players. I know this is something Mike Leach has never been a fan of. I mean, he has kind of shown throughout his time that he just wants to get his starters out there. And granted, with where I'm going to take this in a few minutes, maybe they do need as many reps as possible against a, a team like ETSU because there are a lot of issues right now offensively. Um, but, look, I know, you know one of the big things, people desperately want to be able to see more of Sawyer Robertson. Because you, the issues that you've had right now at the quarterback position, I mean, I mean I'm not trying to pile on Will. He's taken, certainly taking a lot of heat right now, but he's not playing well. And he's had a, a really poor stretch this season. You want to see what you got you know, behind him. You know, offensive line, getting some young guys get in there and, and show that, you know, maybe they can be the anchors of this unit next year. You're obviously not talking about making big personnel changes this season. That's not going to happen at this point. But you need to get some guys some reps because I think going into next year, there has to be – you know, I know coaches always say this, and, you know, sometimes they it's they, they sort of just say it and it's not reality. When I say that next year every job needs to be available at every position, every job needs to be available. Based on some of the stuff that I've seen, um, if you can get some younger offensive linemen who are supposed to be better fits for what we do in there and get them reps, you want to see it. Obviously, from the pass catcher standpoint – um, you're going to be losing a few guys uh, in that receiving core next year. So you want to find a few guys who can step up. And again, obviously the focus will always get put on quarterback, but yeah, we want to see more Sawyer Robertson than just a couple of snaps. And the defensive side of the ball too. Like you had a great signing class along the defensive line and it feels like we haven't gotten to see a lot of those guys. There hasn't been much of a rotation put in. That's kind of been one of the biggest complaints about defense is that obviously a big thing that wears them out is the fact that the offense stalls out. It doesn't help that they really have not done a great job rotating bodies in there, despite having what I would consider a good bit of depth. This is a game to get some reps for those guys. Now, what I wanted to touch on, and the reason I'm, I've been talking about, you know, every job being available, I got sent a film breakdown uh, of every snap against the Kentucky game from a guy who knows the offense really well. Um, I, I don't know if he wants me to, like, shout all of this out right now because he doesn't really want me sharing that around, but I, I will – I'll leave it semi-vague for the moment, uh, but I got, uh, you know, sent a breakdown. He he knows the offense inside and out. He, he's very familiar with what Mike Leach does. Literally, he knows what we call every play. Um, 
and, and you know all all that and what their the thought process is, what the progression is for the quarterback, and he you know he took the time to do it because obviously there's been a lot of discussion about you know the scheme being a problem, and what he wanted to show is it's really not the scheme right now; it is personnel, and. Kentucky, I understand that was a bad game all around. Lexington has been a house of horrors for state. It was an if you go and you watch that breakdown, what you you really see how bad it is from a play like a personnel standpoint. Offensive line got whipped constantly. Now, obviously, you lost the points to Sharp in that game. That was a big deal. Even before he went out, and other guys beat the stop beyond him. Like you have freshmen from Kentucky. Kentucky was playing a lot of freshmen on the defensive line, destroying your O-line, play after play after play in pass protection, sometimes in run blocking. Um, in in the pass game, you know, receivers not winning their battles one-on-one on the outside, just kind of getting blocked down. And that that's going to completely take away a potential read for you. And then everybody wants to know with Will Rogers, like I, I've talked about this some, that he doesn't handle pressure well, and you see the number of opportunities that were missed in that game. Like I had watched some of that tape before, but this was like the all 22. So you can see the entire field. You can actually see, you know, what the, what was supposed to happen. There were several plays to be made where it's like, yeah, we'll just throw the football there. And if, if you look and you see those, those plays hit, like it could have changed things a lot. And look, there's a point to be made that you can do this with a lot of teams, go back and watch every play, even the team, even Ohio state, who's got like one of the best offenses in the country. If you go and watch snap by snap by snap, you're going to see, oh, yeah, they missed this opportunity. They could have done this better. This guy got whooped here. That's football. That's part of what happens. But when you're a team like Mississippi State that is so reliant on execution and nothing is working for you offensively, to see it put together like, yeah, they basically had like a quarter of their plays were successful on the night. And it easily could have been like 75 80%, which I would say is a, a really good rate to be for football. That's frustrating. Now, look, I talked about a lot about this on a recent show that ultimately a lot of that still does fall back on Leach because you're the one, you know, it's year three. You expect the players to be able to handle their business. Obviously, um, you know, his line, if you're not coaching it, you're allowing, you're either coaching it or you're allowing it to happen. Um, right now, there's a lot of guys not executing and certainly you expect the coach to be able to figure that stuff out. It, you know, the it, all that matters is results. But I do want to hit home the point, though, that a, a lot of this idea that the air raid doesn't work, the air raid works. It comes down to having the guys who can operate it. And again, are you going to see much of a change this year? No, but look, Mike Leach is going to be back next year. I think we kind of all established that regardless of what happens on, you know, a week from now as we record. Obviously it's going to be a look, a make or break year for, for Leach and, and what happens, but I, I do think there should be some level of hope that with more players who are comfortable in the offense, like not just players who have been around here, players who were recruited to do it, I think there's still a chance for things to take, take a step forward. Obviously, though, if it doesn't happen, well, then we're going to be having a different discussion. But that to, to bring this back full circle to, to what Daniel was talking about a few minutes ago, you know, getting players reps, that is part of why I want to see more guys out there because I want to see if you have some guys who can step up and win some battles. For sure. For sure. And I think if we're looking at a, at another goal that we have for this game, uh, one that was brought, brought to us, right. Is that we want, we don't want him to have the number of opportunities, but every chance he has get to lose some, some good returns, you know, bump his uh, yards per turn up because he's a chance to be an all American. 
an All-American kick return. He's up there around a little over 30 yards per return, I think, this year. And, shoot, you could throw in Xavier Thomas, the punt return he had. I mean, he does have, what, a drop against him, I think, earlier in the season. So, he would need another – really another punt return touchdown, which, hey, he could get it. Uh, and, you know, thinking of our opponent on, on Saturday, you could see uh, Tulu Griffin taking one back to the end zone. And, you know, two kick return touchdowns in one season, that's – that, that's extra special right there. Right. And he's definitely one of the, one of the better return men we've ever seen in our, we've ever seen wear the maroon and white and, and uh, uh, an all American be well-deserved for, for Tula Griffin. So, you know, if we're thinking about a goal, just, Hey, gets, get him some returnage yards. Yeah, no, I, I certainly agree that that'd be a big thing when you've, you've got a player who's got a chance to be one of the country's best uh, and be recognized as one of the best in the country. You want to give him that opportunity. So, I would love to see him get another house call in this game. Obviously, I, like many other people, would like to see him get more involved in the offense because uh, because of the explosive potential. I mean, look, I, I know it against Georgia, it goes for a net loss one yard, but that touch pass jet sweep, I, I would like to see it again. I would like to see some stuff off that play. Um, and, you know, to kind of, you know, mix in a few different looks in. And, look, I, I think I've talked about this before. I Going back and watching some of, you know, what they were doing when he was at Washington State, like, at times, you actually can watch Mike Leach games, and you can see, oh, they do. It's they're not as stubborn as people think. Like they can try some stuff where it looks a lot more like a traditional offense. It's just they're going to stand by the base stuff that they run. And one of the arguments that Leach is going to have is when your guys are not executing the base stuff, why would I try more? You know, like if, if they can't handle this this the normal stuff, why, why am I going to put in something else that they just clearly are not going to be that they they're not nearly as repped on. Um, so I, I can hear that argument, but also want to hear, you know, see some different stuff, try to, to get some ways involved, try to score some points. So, look, not, not a much to take away for this game. You, you want to get more players involved. You want State to get a nice, easy win and get, get a lot of reps to prepare as you go into the Egg Bowl. With You know, I literally just talked about, you know, try a few different things, but at the same time, do you really want to put that on tape against Ole Miss or do you want to break it out in that game? Um, and to Daniel's point, obviously, if you can get to Lou Griffin, you know, a few big returns, maybe another touchdown, That'd be awesome. So, I mean, look, that, that's going to basically be the extent of the preview. There's not a lot to say for ETSU. Uh, but it is time to make our picks, as we do every single week here on the Maroon Mike. And as I mentioned earlier, I have not picked out the games just yet. Quick look at last week. We tied up again, 7-3 and three week for the both of us. Uh, we both took a loss with Kentucky because Vanderbilt went in and got the win there. Uh, I was wrong when it came to Oh, yeah. I, mean, I watched the end of it. Um, shout out to uh, Vanderbilt. Uh, Tulane, they took a loss to UCF. Um, UCF now in the driver's seat when it comes to the American Conference. So it's not as we were recording. I haven't seen a score update, but Tulane is whipping on SMU. So uh, the, yeah, the Green Wave. Are, yeah, the Green Wave are rebounding from that loss. But I took a loss there. Daniel took UCF. We were both wrong. Washington, Oregon, that was a crazy game. If you know anybody else watched the end of that one. Then TCU, Texas. The, the Hypnotoads stay undefeated. Daniel went with Texas. Uh, so we, we end up, again, yeah. another 7-3 and three week. Uh, I gave you the tiebreaker because I think your score prediction was closer to what actually happened against UGA. So on the season, I, I still have a 10-game lead, 67-32 compared to 57-42. Uh, and a seven-four advantage head to head. So and I, I got I need a huge two makeup weeks right here, and a bowl season that'll favor me. 
So what we're going to do, bowl season is going to be its own separate thing. We are going to do bowl picks. Um, and I would like to – I I can't – there's no reason to say we can't do this. I think it would be cool if we did like a, a bowl pick and pull that we get our listeners involved with. Um, I can't promise you guys any kind of a prize other than the pride, but – I, I think it'd be fun if we got some entries to see who can do the best on uh, picking some games. Um, so we'll, we'll have that. But for us, for our picks, we have three more weeks of picks because um, we're also going to pick championship week. Uh, so in terms of head to head, you can't catch me, but I mean, you have three more weeks to make up 10 games in terms of the overall and the overall record's the most important thing. Um, and I'll make sure we have a full slate 10 games a week. So let's go through and make some, make some of these picks. Obviously the SEC slate lacks because it's, and MSU has started to participate participate in this. You, you schedule your FCS game, your non-conference beat-up opponent before your rival. But a few games worth looking at. It will start off Florida going on the road to Vanderbilt. Vandy obviously just gets that big win. Florida is now bowl eligible in the season trying to close out. And look, if they could get to 8-4, and four, that'd be a good year. But Vandy still has a chance at a bowl game. They would have to win out, which would be, look, let's face it, just about impossible playing Florida and then Tennessee. But they technically have a chance. Do you, do you think the Commodores can pull can pull off an upset here? Nope, nope. Look, they uh, props to them. They got they got a dub in the SEC. Go get two next year because you're not getting two this year. Uh, yeah, no. I'm also going to go with the Florida Gators. Uh, Georgia goes on the road to Kentucky. A lot of us predicted, you know the. Georgia in the stretch of four games from Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky. They would take a loss somewhere in that stretch. Uh, they have not. They they blew out the first three teams they faced. Uh, and I, I have no reason to believe that anything will change against Kentucky based on what I've seen from the Cats. Same thing here. They're, they're just good. They're good at the sport of football. Really good at football. Yeah. Go dogs, I guess. We're not. I'm not cheering for them, but they're going to win. This game could be interesting. Western Kentucky goes on the road to the Plains of Auburn. Auburn obviously gets the, excuse me, the emotional win uh, against Texas A&M. Auburn keeps their bowl hopes alive, but you know Western Kentucky comes in, and this is the team that's been pretty good in the Conference USA. I believe they're still in the Conference Championship race. They're only like a four-and-a-half-point underdog going to Auburn, and it feels like this is a prime spot for Auburn to have a potential letdown. Western Kentucky offensively is really, really strong. I know, you know, last year was Bailey Zappi and that whole crew, but they, they're they still really good this year doing a lot of the same stuff. Um, do you think there's a chance for Western Kentucky here? No. I mean <laughs> – I think Auburn's actually going to cover this one. I think the spread's what five and a half, and I think they're going to cover it. Look, they're they're still playing with a lot of emotion, and they're playing pretty good under uh, Cadillac right now. And they'll they'll get to five wins. And hey, if uh, Auburn Jesus is kind, <laughs> he'll get them to six wins. He's very kind. Look, I I am certainly cheering for Auburn to win the Iron Bowl. Actually, I, I may not be because there's a scenario where Mississippi State could end up in the uh, Citrus Bowl if they were to win out, um, which which is which would be really cool. But the, you would need Alabama to be in a New Year's Six. But I'm going to take the upset. Yeah. I, I I'm just gonna, I'm just choosing to be ballsy with it. Give me Western Kentucky. 
Uh, I'm, I'm going to take him to pull off the win because it, it would be to use a principle that Chip Patterson of the Cover 3 podcast always uses. Wouldn't it be hilarious? Number five, Tennessee goes on the road to South Carolina. You know, a few weeks ago, I know South Carolina fans, when they were five and two, ranked in the top 25, were circling this game as, oh, college game day is going to be coming to Columbia and, you know, Williams Bryce going to be rocking. They have since uh, faltered. They got blown out against Florida the last week. They had lost, they lost to Missouri not long after they proclaimed all that. They get the win over Vanderbilt. Um, it, do you, is that, I mean, look, Tennessee feels like they're still on a path to potentially make the playoff. Do you think they're going to slip up here? No. No. Tennessee wins. By a lot. All right. So, last, last uh, SEC game we're going to pick. This is <laughs> – the best SEC game of the weekend by far. Number 14, Ole Miss, goes on the road to Fayetteville to take on the Arkansas Razorbacks. Arkansas had a very emotional letdown. I say that. Like, they could take a lot of pride. They, no start, no KJ Jefferson, lose close at home to LSU, absolutely could have won that game Got down to the wire. Ole Miss, of course, they had the big emotional loss at home to Alabama. Felt like they had an opportunity to win that game there at the end, and they just couldn't close it out. I really don't know who's in for more of a big letdown here. I don't – I'm going to make a pick that I just hope is wrong to set things up. Because, by the way, if the Citrus Bowl thing happens, I need Ole Miss to lose this game. I will take the Rebels, though. Just, like, I'm trying to will them into a loss. And I hope you are, too. And I actually – you know, my boss egged me on and on and on a week ago that uh, Arkansas was going to upset LSU. And I told him what was going to happen. I told him uh, LSU was going to edge out a win and that Arkansas was going to st- – Get out of that game hungry enough to win the very next week. That's what they're going to do. I, I, I'm. You're willing an Ole Miss loss through through hoping that they or picking them to win. I'm just willing an Arkansas win into existence. Woo pig suey on Saturday. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm certainly hope to see it. That would be awesome. Now getting into a few <laughs> national games. There's some pretty good games uh, this weekend. Number four TCU. Still undefeated. Now they go on the road to take face on the rival Baylor Bears. This is a game a lot of people are taking as an upset. It feels like if there's a time TCU is going to get got, it is this one. Baylor has largely been playing better the last few weeks. Now they did get shellacked by Kansas State. But other than that, yeah. they've been better recently. I'm still going to tick with TCU, though. I'm right there with you, you know, I mean, especially after that that bad loss to to Kansas State for Baylor. That's just about it for for their hopes at like a really big season. Obviously, they're six and four right now. Uh, and they, they have a chance at finishing seven and five. They uh, beat Texas, but you know, they gotta go do that. Or I think they play Texas next week. Who knows? But you know, uh TC's gonna win this one pretty pretty handily. I think they're gonna go twelve and zero. Really would love to see it. I would love to see the hypno toads in the playoff. Bedlam. I hate that this game does not get played on rivalry weekend because the Big 12 is stupid. Number yeah. 22. Yeah. They used to do it, but they, they, they it st- was last year. They stopped doing it every single year because they like, well, these are two of the better teams. So we don't want to have back to back weeks them playing in the Big 12 championship. Who cares? Let this Who game be cares? played. So, <laughs> especially this year, now neither of them are going to be in it. <laughs> What's, so well, this is crazy. Yeah. Oklahoma's five and five on the season. Oklahoma State, I believe, is like seven and three, sort of in that range. Seven and three, six and four, something like that. Oklahoma's a seven and a half point favorite. And I don't buy that for a second. 
I don't know why this. Look, what's up with that? The running joke with Bedlam is that because people, you know, the the TV executives always put it out there. It's Bedlam, craziness, anything can happen. And then the people who pay attention to college will say, yeah, anything can happen. Oklahoma can win by a lot or Oklahoma can win by a little. But we saw last year Oklahoma State actually win the game. And Oklahoma State is the better football team this year. I mean, I get it's in Norman, but I'm taking the pokes. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State's going to win it. I just don't see any way Oklahoma wins. So, yeah. The battle for the victory, Bill. UC, USC at number 16, UCLA. USC is the Pac-12's final hope if they're going to get a team in the college football playoff. I, look, this, this these are two teams that have frankly been very similar all year. It's just UCLA happened to slip up against Arizona. Shout out to our Arizona Cats. After we killed them, they, it was nice to them to get a win. There's, I, I'm going to steal another principle from the Cover 3 podcast because that's one of my favorite podcasts. And I like a lot of their principles. As Tom Fernelli will always say, it is, it is a Pac-12 law of physics that Pac-12 will always do what is worst for the Pac-12. And what is worst for the Pac-12 is that USC loses this game and the Pac-12 loses any shot at making the college football playoff. And for that reason, I'm taking UCLA. Yep, and and I'm in the same boat. I just don't think USC is that. I, I think they're a little overhyped. I can't wait to open my phone Sunday morning, uh, you know, open social media if I guess Twitter will be gone. But uh, you'll TikTok and hear the USC. What? happened because USC is going to lose all right real quick because we're running out of time here number 10 Utah goes on the road uh, to Austin Stadium some question about Bo Nix's availability in this game this game is huge for the Pac-12 championship race who you got go Ducks I'm also going to roll with Oregon all right give me your score prediction here MSU versus ETSU as we close this thing out all right 41 to 13 Mississippi State I'm going to go with 45 to 10. I'm sorry. Our Zoom is about to close on this, and I want to keep this rolling. That's going to do it for Daniel. To now let's listen to me and Colton as we talk about basketball. Enjoy the game this weekend. And now joining the show, uh, our original co-host for the Maroon, Mike, Colton Watson. Colton, back on to talk some basketball with us, as we promised that we'd do for this show. Obviously, look, East Tennessee State, there shouldn't be too much to say for football. So, I want to spend some time to talk about basketball because basketball season is in full swing now. We say that. We're like three games in on both sides. Um, hot start for the men's team. Hot start for the women. Did take a loss the other night, but not, you know, to a good opponent on the road. It was right down to the wire. Um, I think, you know, we're starting to see that the two hires it, – it, look, it's still early, a lot can change, but it does certainly look like the two hires that were made that – we were very excited about are starting to deliver on some results early on. Uh, just your general thoughts, Colton, on what you've seen through a few games thus far for uh, both teams, really. Yeah, if uh, we're going to talk about the men's teams first, I think I'm trying trying not to just echo talking points because everybody's like, yeah, they're okay, but at least they're a lot more fun to watch. Uh, I'm going to take it a, a step further. I think they're actually doing well. Um, not just, oh, it's a better brand of basketball than what we're used to, or, oh, uh, they're marginally better than last year. I think we are start. We it, it's too early to tell for real, but I'm leaning towards like they have actually improved. And the reason I say that is, of course, last year 
you could argue that you would have won your you should have won your first three conference games or you would have won or non-conference games and you should have won these three non-conference games by a similar margin if the if the same coaching staff was in place as, as the year before right i mean corpus uh texas a&m corpus christi you beat by 19 i think also you beat akron by 19 and then you blow out uh arkansas pine bluff and yeah the way you're doing it is different uh, I think the defense is more is better. I think the offense is quicker. But the results are similar. However, um, I think the schedule is sneakily more difficult than it appears on the surface. Uh, Akron, on a new, you went out on a neutral court where I, I, I didn't get to watch the Barstool broadcast. I'm actually really disappointed. But I'm quite certain, uh, quite certain, in fact, that there was not a, it wasn't like a, a home court advantage or anything for Mississippi State other than, you know, Brandon Walker going around doing his thing. Maybe that got him hyped up. And Texas A&M Corpus Christi, you had it beaten, uh, had it beaten to death by now, but it was a tournament team that had all five starters, returned 85% of their total point production this year. Uh, and you covered both games. You covered the spread in both games, handily in the Akron game. And then Pine Bluff, we saw how they gave TCU a run for their money. You really had no trouble uh, dispatching them. It was uh, pretty effortless. Uh, for some reason, Tolu Smith did not play a lot in that game. He sat a lot in the Arkansas Pine Bluff game. I don't know why, if they're just putting him on a minutes restriction or something. Um, but he was efficient when he was out there. Uh, you could shoot better. But other than that, I think they're actually doing a lot better. You know, they got down in that Akron game in the second half after going out to a big lead. There's no way Ben Hallen wins that game. There's absolutely no way. Uh, and, and that's, the, I think, the clear difference right now. So right now you'd be – Two and one, and already checked out of basketball. If this was Ben Howland's team, that is an improvement. We not saying we're going to make the tournament at this point, but it's not. I don't. I don't want to think it's a rebuilding year because I think this year the the you're going to at minimum be around where Howland's last two or three teams were before, at least where he was the se- uh, the seasons other than Reggie Perry's last year when we went to the tournament. I mean, yeah, no, I, I certainly. Uh agree with a lot of that obviously with Howland it would be a different roster at worst I think um there is a possibility I don't think it would be a better roster well you might have Iverson back I I do think there's a possibility he would have stuck around if Howland was here um maybe and and I don't know why I don't think it would have been good for him I'm I'm not trying to be a Howland defender on this by any means because certainly you could see the improvements like I I agree with your point that those games would have gone differently, like especially Akron. Like it wouldn't have been state gets down by one and then they just take control of the game. It would have been Akron. That would have been a fight to the finish. Um, if you don't eat and maybe you, Howland did have a few of those games where he, they did find ways to win against those lesser teams, but you certainly could have lost it. I think Corpus Christi, Corpus, I keep saying crispy Corpus Christi. You could have found a way to lose that game with the way you started off in that one getting off to a really rough start. And some of that was because you were trying to figure out what the rotation was going to be and who was the best combination of players to have out there on the court. That And you talk about an experienced team that was in the tournament a year ago. They're going to get up on you when you're still trying to figure some things out and adjust and do a new style. But, of course, you responded really well to find a, find a way to get the win. Akron dominated in the first half. You, I'm sorry if you hear squeaking. I have a dog. I'm sorry. I told him to behave, and he's not. Not a problem. Um He's looking for the squeaker I just hid from him. Akron, you dominant in the first half. You 
the Zips go on a run early in the second half to even you know take a lead, but then you just flip a switch and you blow them out the rest of the way. You talk about Tolu not playing much against Pine Bluff. I, I mean, I think that's they expect to be able to handle their business in that game. And I know Pine Bluff gave TCU, who's a team we're going to see later in the season, preseason top 15 team, I know they gave them a scare. TCU also did, did just lose to Northwestern State. So maybe the Horn Frogs Ooh. are not quite as good as uh, – and I, I could be – I don't think Northwestern State is like a terrible program in, in their Northwestern level. State, Louisiana is a Northwestern State demons. Yes, that, that team. Um. We so, played them in football one time. Yes, we one did. 162 to, 62 to 13. Um, it, I, maybe TCU is not quite as good as we were anticipating. I mean, I would hope that they're a good opponent for state strength of schedule, but also I would like them to be someone that, you know, that game I believe is in Starkville. You want you want to get that win, but that's that's way down the line. Um, obviously, State was able to handle its business against Pine Bluff, so I don't think you're too worried about having Tolu out there on the court. Um. And we can get more into breaking down some of the the stats on this team in a minute. But now I, I do want to go over first to the women's side and just general thoughts through a few games on the season. Um, two and one, you you open up with a blowout win against Valley, 104 to 47. I think, it, what was it, like five, six players in, du- in double figures. Uh, then you dominate against North Alabama again, 77 to 40. Take the loss to South Dakota State. And look, that's a very good program. Um I believe they had just previously been ranked, and I mentioned this on the the they show. They were we ranked when we played. They were twenty fourth. Uh, okay, they had lost a game this year. I don't know who to. I want to check that actually. But now that they've beaten us, I think they'll probably stay ranked. Yeah, and look, as I mentioned on when I was doing the show with Lounge, because we we didn't really get into this game. We just sort of touched. I touched on it real quick to talk about what we're going to talk about for this show. State was considering like hiring South Dakota State's head coach. So they lost. I, I, so I'm sorry to interrupt you. Yeah, no problem. Uh, South Dakota State lost to top 20 Creighton by nine. Looks like at home. Uh, I guess the bottom teams usually at home. Frost Arena. That sounds about right. It's Frost Arena in South Dakota. Yeah, sure. Yes. Yes. So they lost at home, but to a top 20 team, and then by 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 single digits, and then they beat us. So I think they'll probably stay in the top. Around 23, 24. Yeah, th- that's a good program at the mid major level. Um, again, if Mississippi State was looking, to, considering their head coach as a potential candidate, knowing what Mississippi State wants, then you, you would, you, you, you have to respect that program. Uh, you know, I unfortunately, like, I don't think either of us got to get eyes on this game. We both had other stuff going on. Mm-hmm. I wanted to watch some of this one because that would have been a good gauge to see, but I just couldn't. I, I have a good excuse. I was recruiting. Future doctors and dentists to come to Mississippi State, which in 15 or 20 years translates to more money for the Bulldog Initiative. So there you go. I was, I was just out, had other stuff going on. I couldn't couldn't get in front of a TV, um, and you couldn't pull it up on my phone either. Uh, but look, I think by all I, I heard a lot of people saying it was a you know difficult environment. I also saw what, as is typical with every women's basketball game, a lot of talk about the officiating. I can't speak on any of that because I didn't see what happened, but you lose by one on the road to a good mid-major, and that's a good test for you early in the season. It This wouldn't be the type of loss, if you're talking about this team trying to get to the NCAA tournament, which I do think is a fair you know, kind of goal for the team, I don't think this is the type of loss that derails the season at all. Um, I think I saw somebody point out. Uh, I think it'll probably bump you up 
like as far uh, to go up there and lose by one that that's not that is only going to help and not hurt your resume unless South Dakota State bottoms out. Well, the the early expectation is this could be you know the net rankings are not out yet they just, those will get released later on but this could be like a quad one opportunity so obviously you you wish you could have come away with a win there that would have been a really nice resume builder but it's not going to be a bad loss for you and of course playing in the SEC you're going to have those chances down the line they have a, another good game coming up not to overlook Alabama State but that's a game you think stays in handle but on Sunday Colorado State comes to Starkville and that's been a pretty good program in the Mountain West in women's basketball over the last few years so. Colorado State's just a basketball school, I guess. Yes, they are. They be, they are be, they are a basketball school right now. Um, and then, of course, you know, meetings with Georgetown, Nebraska, and Puerto Rico um, over Thanksgiving weekend. So, more opportunities for the women's team going forward. And we will, if we, Colton has some thoughts on some of the roster and what we've seen so far, how as how they're coming together. That we'll get to in a minute. But looking over to the men's side, and I know we're bouncing back and forth, but you know, it's two teams worth talking about and. We probably could have put this together a little bit better, but hey, let's look, look at the men's team right now. Uh, averaging 72 points per game, only giving up 48. Uh, really, really good defensive effort. That's one of the things you expect for the Christians team. The hallmark is tough, physical, hard-nosed defense. And, you know, we saw that at times in the Ben Halland era, but the biggest issue with Ben Halland was that his teams defensively, it was kind of, it was a very, it was an old school mentality all around, both from offense and from defense. And, State's perimeter defense in Howland lacked several for several years. It, it 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 wasn't an effort thing. It was it was a scheme thing to me too. It wasn't like we're not they're good, those guys aren't playing hard out there. That Howland doesn't care about defense. It's just that his ideas about defense were a bit antiquated, for sure. And that's why it was kind of a recurring theme whenever it came to hit the like state's games. Like if the opponent, if the opposing team could hit their threes, it was probably going to be a tough night for MSU. If they didn't hit their threes, State's defense was going to come out looking like a really good, a great performance. Unfortunately, in this era of the sport, especially with some of the shooters that you have in the SEC, teams are going to hit the three ball. Uh, but on the year, right now for Chris Jans, teams are shooting just uh, 24% from behind the arc and only making six threes per, per game. Now, I mean, how much of that is the competition? You know, that's TBD. But Pine Bluff had a good player. One guy, Chris Green, is really good, but – I don't. I don't know how good the Corpus. I know, I'm sure the Corpus Christi guys were more about. I don't. They I were, do not know about Akron. They're more about sharing the ball and and getting everybody involved. But Pine Bluff had had one just dude. He was like six nine and could play most positions. It feels like Akron. I remember looking at it like I think their top two scores from last year were gone, but like all their other top guys were back, including a couple double figure players. Um, Corpus Christi, obviously, they returned pretty much their entire starting lineup from a tournament team. And in that game, they had a few times where State would get them down to the shot clock and they just would throw up a prayer, a well-defended three, and the shots were just falling. Luckily, in the second half, that went away, and that's kind of why State was able to build out the lead the way it did and take control of that game Um, because those shot, shots just weren't falling for them anymore. Um, But I don't think it was that they were giving them open looks. It was just they were, they were, dropped, they were able to hit some of them. Uh, State is a team right now shooting 47% from the field. They're holding opponents to 31%. Uh, only just over 31, 31% from three. Certainly not great. That is still a concern with this team, but that's part of what you – that goes back to the coach you had previously and just the lack of development when it comes to having guys who can just knock down threes. And also, look, in the, in the transfer portal, 
you know, you got a lot of good pieces. You tried to find the guys going to be dangerous behind the arc, and I think the expectation was that would be Eric Reed. We really haven't seen that yet from him so far, but early, early in the season. Um, but look, you, you weren't really. If able the to shooting comes and... al- comes along for the men's team, they it's going to be they're going to beat somebody they're not supposed to beat. Maybe a few teams are not supposed to beat. Oh, if shooting comes along for that team, I'm talking about there's a chance for a tournament race. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to beat a few teams they're not supposed to beat just by the way that they play because they are going to be hell for a lot of teams with what they do on defense and how they get after you. Um, not great right now from the free throw line, just he, 67%. He found the squeaker. If he found... <laughs> Sorry, for um, not, that's almost nice. I'm trying to fight off the dog. Sorry, guys. He's, he's being inquisitive. He's been pinned up problem. all day. I can't just put, put him in a box right now. Oh, no, that's While fine. While we're on tangents, by the way, I totally got the score right, I checked, of the FCS game we played in 2015. So I just wanted to to flex that real quick. I believe that game was like a total offense record for State. I hope not because that's such a terrible – it a terrible game to have that record in. I think it might have been. I remember that they, in 62 points was up there. I know Moorhead had 63 in his first game. But uh, anyway, right now from the free throw line, you are struggling a bit. That's something that you got to see improve with this team, only shooting 67% from the line. Um, out-rebounding their opponents by 13 a game, uh, four, basically 48, uh, four compared to 31. So that's, again, it wasn't the- a It wasn't a total offense record. Because... There was some sort of record or something. Set, or it might have been the highest for Dan Mullen or, or something. I don't know. It, it does not matter. <laughs> but um, that's another one of those hallmarks for Chris Chan's team, though, is rebounding. And again, a plus 13 advantage on the board right now. Uh, 17 assists per game, 14 turnovers, which is not great, but you're forcing 16 turnovers a game. Um, you're also getting 12 steals per game. Uh, you're, you're seeing really good defense out of Mississippi State. And again, that's what you expect with the Chris Chan's team. That's what this team is going to build around. And as Colton just mentioned, if you can find the scoring, uh, this team is going to be really dangerous. Right now, two Bulldogs averaging double figures. Uh, Tolu Smith, you expect him to be the leader of this team right now, over 18 points per game. Uh, also averaging, where was it at? Where is it at? Uh, 9.3 rebounds a game, so nearly a double-double for him. Uh, DJ Jeffries, I, I thought he's a guy who could have taken a, could take a step forward playing in this system, and I think he kind of his skill set is better suited by what Chris Jans likes to do offensively, and that's showing up. He's averaging. He just looks under, more under control and and comfortable too. Very much so. Just uh, ten point seven points per game from him right now uh, to go along with four point three rebounds. Um, he he's playing really good basketball and he's going to be kind of become a guy for state there out on the wing that you expect to to be someone who who can get some points for you. Uh, number three score right now at eight point eight point three points per game. Shaquille Moore. That's another guy from right away. Bench. Yes. Uh, Right away, you know, game one, I, I liked what I was seeing out of him compared to where it, it was very inconsistent last year. Obviously, he has the mm-hmm. big couple big games, you know, has the game-winning bucket on the road in Columbia against Missouri, but never really was fully consistent, uh, you know, a lot of consistency with him. He's performing better. Cam Matthews, our guy, um, <laughs> right now just 6.3 points per game. And look, for State, again, that's your number four score. That kind of goes into where – Again, you haven't found those guys to really step up as another score, but some of it is that you are rotating a lot of players right now early. You rotate. Yeah, they're they're going nine or ten deep, so you're not really uh, looking for a fifteen point per game. A couple of these games. How uh, how many played in the Akron game? 
Akron, they didn't play as many, which is a better, probably a better representation of what the team will be. But yeah. obviously, you you got a lot of bodies in against Corpus Christi, especially early on, and then against Pine Bluff, it was all throughout the game because it was kind of like state once state saw they can handle mm-hmm. their business in that one. Um, uh, a name that came up some in the off season, and you know, kind of under the radar type guy, Sean Jones, as a true freshman, believe a walk on, um, who is mm-hmm. very much kind of shown like he's been the most effective of the true freshmen so far this season. And, you know, for him right now, just averaging four points per game, but he has knocked down four three-pointers uh, – three, sorry, three three-pointers on the season, which is kind of, you know, one of the things you're going to see from him is, is a guy potentially could develop as a shooter behind the arc for you. Um, which And, of course, we all saw Martavius Russell and what he did in, in the, basically at the end of the game against Pine Bluff. Just Ended the dude's career. I mean, that was – and that's, that's an overused way to describe a vicious dunk, but – was really freaking hilarious to watch a dude. And it's not like the guy getting in at the last two minutes of the game is just trying to get his. Like, Russell had played in the first half. He's played games this season. Like, he's going to play a good bit this year. And then he just decides – he just decides to just take flight and destroy the rim, almost get himself hurt. I thought he was hurt. It looked like he came down on his elbow, and I was like, that was awesome. I hope he's okay. It looks like he's fine. With reckless abandon, with uh, in a, almost a forty-point game with thirty seconds left in the game, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that I want to see from my basketball team. I don't know about y'all; they're playing hard, no matter what the situation is. And I don't think he's doing that play selfishly. I think he's actually just not quitting on the game just because we're up thirty with uh, a few seconds left to go. Which I again. Completely different than uh, last year's team, just in the mentality all around. Uh, really, really, and and can't say enough about how impressive that dunk was. That was the most – that is that is right up there with the most impressive plays I've seen live at the hump in my life. Like, it's, it's, it's one of the best ones I've seen. Something interesting I just saw looking over the stats. So, Deshaun Davis obviously comes in to be your point guard this season for Oregon State, and – one of the things with him that you know we pointed out was three-point shooting has not been a strength. Well, right now, he is far and away the best three-point shooter on the team. He's five of six on the year, 83%. Um, that's the most made, most made, and despite – it's the most made three-pointers of anybody on the team. But you also have a one, two, three, four different guys who have shot more than he has. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. But then you look at Eric Reed, who, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, you thought he could be your guy as a perimeter scorer. He's leading the team in assists with a nine nine assists so far in the season. Now, Deshaun Davis does have seven assists so thus far. So, I mean, that is obviously going to be part of where I think you see more of him. But that would certainly be interesting. There's if, there's a lot more assists per game that, so far this year than last year. I don't I don't have the numbers to even look that up. But that's I think I feel like that almost goes without saying. If you could find those numbers, Tolu Smith has a chance to be one of the better passing centers in the league because what's going to happen with him, if you've already seen it, he's going to get double team. He's going to get double team and then somebody's going to be open. And the reason they feel like they can double team him is because, well, we're not just lights out from behind the three. If that shooting picks up a little bit, Tolu Smith's going to have a great chance to rack up some assists on his own. He, uh, he had four, three, three or four assists in the first half um, against uh, Pine Bluff, which is just impressive for a guy that size. Uh I bet you we do have a lot more assists than last year. Do you have Do you have how many assists we had at this point last year? I do not have that up in front of me. I'm gonna pull um, it up. You 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 keep talking. I want to know. 
Well, uh, what's our what's our assist, what's our team assist per game this year? Ooh, uh, where was it? I don't. It was 17, 17 assists per game. I bet you that's way more than we had this. It time does last feel year. like that'd be more. You would have to look at the totals first three games last year to see where we're at. I'll I'll I bet you it's more than on the season for sure. They have totaled fifty one assists through three games. Let me uh. Let me let me work on that, and you do your thing. Well, there's not much more to say. I mean, roster wise, like right now, I, I I think the biggest thing, and we've touched on this a few times, it's finding more guys to step up the shooters. If you can get more scores on this team, then you're going to go a long way. And look, I'm not fully about to jump in on like this team's going to the tournament. Like I, you know, we love to do the feels like '96 thing. Uh, and look, it's fun, but and no excuse to not get excited about men's basketball right now, but. Certainly, I feel like you're going to have a game or two down the line where they probably have some struggles and things just don't come together. And look, especially if you don't have the scoring and you're kind of having to rely on defense and, and you know, your scoring's going right now mostly through one guy in Tolu and then DJ sort of is the, the secondary option for you. Uh, look, if you find someone who can sort of, you know, lock down on those two guys, which is going to be tough to do, especially for Tolu Smith, he's going to get his most nights, but, um, it does feel like right now if either of them are off, it, it does become tougher for Mississippi State to win games. So that's going to be a big thing looking forward. Can you get some more guys to to step up as, as your scorers on this team? And if you do, this becomes a really dangerous squad. Do you have it up, Colton? Okay, so I was wrong. We are right on the same pace for turnovers – or excuse me, for assists at this point last year. However, we dropped off significantly. significantly. We're down – we finished the year down to like 13.4 per game, which is a lot less than 17 over the course of a season. Four assists is a lot. Um, but first three games were actually very, very comparable. So I will I will retract what I said earlier. We won a game against Missouri with five assists as a team. <laughs> that's in, that's incredible. That basically means every buck every point you had that weren't a free throw had to be created one on one by that by one person. And with and that's just not winning basketball. That's well, that's my biggest complaint about the Ben Howen thing is you had, you know, you're running double horns and you had a guy trying to create – basically, go. you asked Iverson Molinar to go in there and get a bucket all by himself. It's just ridiculous. You don't start the offense until 10 seconds. You've been 30 or 20 seconds getting everybody set up and then you finally start the, start the play with 20 seconds run off the shot clock. I mean, it's, anyway, it's just ridiculous. Well, that is not, not good basketball. I like this a lot better. And I like how we're running up and down the floor, actually, trying to score in transition. Well, that is something. And we can transition. I'll let you uh, – do you have the women's stats up in front of you? Oh, I'm ready. If you want to start getting into that, I want to look something up real quick for the men's team to bring back up and to, just to see. So, if you go in on women's basketball, just, I'll let you get on that with what you're seeing from the team right now statistically. Yeah, so there's a, a lot of good to be said. Uh, about how the women's team has done so far. Yeah, they've already dropped a game, and that's not – you don't love to see that, of course. But nothing I, – I I think it says a lot, and I tweeted this last night, about our program that we're actually disappointed that we went on the road to a ranked team a 1,000 miles away, lost by one in an extremely poorly officiated game. And I'm just taking Jay Crowder's word on that at this point, who's our uh, women's uh, radio broadcaster. He said it was the worst game he's ever seen. Um, and you lose, you lose by one point. You're on the road, thousand miles away. Lose by one point to a ranked team. 
the game was officiated terribly, and you didn't play well if you, uh, according to uh, Robbie Falk, who was who was following getting again on the game. Again, I'm sorry, I did have an event. I didn't just blow it blow it off, but very very interesting. Um, I think this team they are moving around faster. They are getting scoring from a lot of different players. I think that's going to be a major key down the stretch. You know, at times last year before she transferred. Games you were winning, it was just because Rakia Jackson was had to go be Rakia Jackson. Um, there's been times uh, I, at the last year of uh, Vic Schaefer's uh, tenure here, you were winning games, or I guess the year before that, um, you were just winning games because Tierra McCowan was Tierra McCowan. Or no, Tierra was here. Can't remember. Um, you're not – this is not that team. Last year down the stretch after you lost Rakia, you just had to hope Annie Hayes could get 25 points. Hasn't had to do that this year either. Um, this year, points averages. You've got – let me get get over here. Where the heck? I just – I lost it. Minutes, points. 15. Okay, here we go. 15 for Ja'Kelia Jordan, 12 for Debrisha Powell, Poe. Debrisha Poe. I know people with the same last name that pronounce it different. Uh, Debrisha Pope, who's a fantastic true freshman, uh, who's getting it done for you. Watching her the next uh, three or four years, I guess four, you don't really see the women's leave early, uh, unless she decides to transfer. It's just going to be really, really fantastic for Mississippi State fans to see that she's going to be in, around Victoria Vivian's territory, averaging 12 points already. Uh, 11.7 for Asian A. Johnson, 11 points per game for Jessica Carter, who was very, very limited last night against uh, South Dakota State due to foul trouble. Just eight points a game for Anastasia Hayes. That's a, incredible. She was, you know, up around 20 points per game last year. And then you thought, okay, she's coming back. Uh, she's going to drop 25 points a game. She's going to be one of your leaders. Her and Jessica Carter are going to be a one-two punch. And she's not really contributing from the scoring uh, side of things. However, 19 assists on the on the year for her, which by, by far leaves the team. We talked about how – you know, is Asian A. Johnson going to come in and maybe be uh, a point guard or is Alana Smith going to come in and maybe be the primary ball handler and give Anastasia Hayes a chance to play the two and really focus on scoring the rock? Or are you going to kind of have a point guardless system where everybody's just moving the ball around? And that's kind of still is the case. But we're actually wrong about that. Anastasia Hayes has been the point guard. She's brought she's the one usually bringing the ball up when she's on the floor. She's the one facilitating and contributing. And now she's showing you she doesn't have to get buckets to affect the game. She can go in, distribute, find the open player. She's had some great dimes this year already. It's really, really impressive to uh, to see what she's been able to do. Oh, and then just in case she uh, does need to score, you know, no big deal. Last night she had 15 points, which was tied for the team lead with DeBrusha Poe. So it's not like she isn't able to score. Uh, she's just doing – she has a different role this year, and I love it. I really do. Um, going down the list, uh, you still have Alana Smith, Romani Parker, both averaging 7.3 points per game, and then Danae Carter and Courtney Weber averaging four points a game. Uh, something that I wanted to point out, go back and look at what, what players appeared in the uh, Mississippi Valley State game. Jerkelia Jordan, Jessica Carter, Alana Smith, Debrisha Poe, Anastasia Hayes all started. True freshman Debrisha Poe, Alana Smith, uh, if you'll remember, uh, transferred from Louisville, was one of the best players in junior college before then. 
uh, national player of the year in 2020, went to Louisville, and then followed Coach Purcell here. She's a starter now uh, for Mississippi State, uh, at least uh, uh, or has been this year. That's doing really, really well. Asian A. Johnson, we talked about her. Uh, she was coming from Brooklyn, New York. Eventually went to St. Bonaventure, was the best player on St. Bonaventure's team. Was a really, really good score, and now she's come in and really, really contributed. I thought she was going to be just an automatic bucket watching her in the Mississippi Valley State game. Uh, 11.7 points per, per game, third on the team, still pretty good. And then uh, we talked about Courtney Weber and Romani Parker coming in. We talked about how if you make Charlotte Cole like the second or third string center again, you've done something right, and that is uh, been the case. She's appeared in these games, hasn't played much, but the reason I wanted to point out the Mississippi Valley State game is everybody that played in that game, that's who you're going to see this year. If they, if, if you have a player that was not on the court at that point, they're redshirting or they're injured, or, or and and they might get back on the on the court later on. But we do have some true freshmen that are probably going to redshirt. We talked about the roster a little bit. Um, Mia Moore, freshman, uh, redshirt freshman, didn't play. Uh, Anaya Palmer didn't play. Uh, think that's it so there's a there's a, a few that didn't make it onto the court during the uh the first game of the year those are the ones you would expect to either come back later if they're dealing with something physical or won't be contributing it much at all this year uh nyanga goni did play and alasia hayes the youngest of the of the hayes sisters did play in that first game and didn't haven't appeared since but we're running about you know 10 players deep most of these games, nine, 10 players. So lots of moving around, lots of uh, substitution. That helps them get to go faster, run up and down the court. This is a team just like the men. They want to play fast, not scared to shoot the three. Um, they were seven for 27 uh, for th from three against uh, North Dakota State. That needs to tick up a little bit. That South percentage. Dakota State. South, what did I say? North Dakota State? You did. South Dakota State. Uh, and just four for 22 against North Alabama, which, of course, you didn't really have to have it against North Alabama. Shot the ball really well against um, Mississippi Valley State, 10 for 23 for, from, uh, from three. But the thing I wanted to point out about three-point shooting is how many players uh, have taken and made a three already. So already, Dracalia Jordan has made three. Debrisha Poe leads the team. She's six for 22. Again, not a fantastic percentage, uh, but is shooting them. Asian A. Johnson is three for five for the best percentage on the team. Anastasia Hayes, you know she'll get hers going. She's only one for seven. Alana Smith is four for nine. Romani Parker is one for five. Um, even Danae Carter has taken a three. And Courtney Weber has taken nine threes. Uh, and Alasia Hayes off the off the bench, you know, kind of garbage time, has attempted a couple three-point shoot shots. But pretty much everybody that's on the court regularly, with the exception of Jessica Carter, uh, is, taking, is taking threes and has made it, has made at least a couple. So – that's good to know that you can spread the floor, and then you've got a big, a, a really talented big like Jessica Carter that can punish you inside. Kind of not the same level, obviously, not even remotely close. I'm not saying that, but shades of that. Uh, the Final Four team where we got hosed against Notre Dame, where you had just Tierra could just dominate inside, and you were surrounded by Blair Schaefer, Rashonda Johnson, Morgan Williams, Victoria Vivians. They could all score from anywhere. You've got a lot of uh, players that can score from anywhere on this team as well. And of course, we're not quite at that level yet. Don't get me wrong. I guess we're averaging here about, I want to get our points per game average before, and I don't want to get it exactly right. 
243 over the course of three games, which is 81 points per game, which is pretty good, uh, especially to have only put up 62 on the road against South Dakota State. Would really like to see that continue to tick up because I don't think we're up to our offensive potential yet. Um, defensively, they there's kind of – I think the men's team is probably more fun to watch on the de- defensive side of the ball. You've kind of got some uh, – a little bit of lackluster stretches, but uh, overall throughout the complete game, it's more than satisfactory, I think. Um, if they can continue to improve shooting-wise and be more con- uh, more consistent on the defensive end, I think this team has a pretty high ceiling. Uh, you could see them end up in the tournament as still still right where I thought they'd be around a five or six seed, something like that. You faded out there at the end. You said five or six seed. I uh, w- want to make sure we got it in there. Uh, Something like that. Five or six seed. Uh, that's, that's what that was the last thing I said. Okay. Uh, real quick. I mean, I think to close out the topic on the women's team, and then we'll hit one more thing with the men's team. Um, you, I mean, upcoming schedule for them. I, I think we hit on some of this a little bit earlier, but you expect to be able to handle your business to Alabama State. Colorado State looks like a decent team. And then, you know, Georgetown, Nebraska, and Puerto Rico, I. I actually haven't pulled it up. What George? How Georgetown and Nebraska are doing right now? Let me get that in front I'll, of you. I'll, I'll look. I got. I got it. Um, I'll look at how Georgetown's doing this year. But look, I mean, not a ton of high-profile games in the non-conference slate for the women. I mean, Colorado State's a good game. South Dakota State was a good game, and then later on in the season, you have Old Dominion. Uh, that's uh, God, Nicky uh, McRae Pinson's old team. Uh, as well as New Mexico, playing those games down in Tex- uh, Tampa as part of the Suncoast Challenge. Um, do you have that for Georgetown up, what they look like right now? Yeah, I got it right here. They lost to Temple. They killed a team called Salem International. They play Copen State, uh, Cal State Fullerton before they play us, and that's tomorrow and Friday. So they've only played two games. And I'll look at Nebraska now. I actually have theirs up right now. Um, Nebraska's historically a pretty bad women's team, I'm pretty sure. I know they suck in men's basketball. Uh, really? I think oh, Nebraska's yeah, they, heyday is like right now in women's basketball, and it's still like barely sniffing the tournament. Yeah, Nebraska's 2-0 and right now. Uh, they beat Omaha, blowout, and then they beat Houston Christian uh, in, a, in a blowout. They have Creighton coming up, so that's going to be um, – Okay, so we'll learn a lot about Nebraska there here in a minute that's tonight yeah tonight is so report, if you're so. if you're interested oh yeah this isn't going to get on the this isn't going to be posted till wait later this week right yeah so this show is going to come out a little bit later in the week whenever we have the football preview so yes for time traveling here we're recording this on tuesday the 15th um so you guys are it's going to be a few more days so you guys actually hear us talking about this so there will be a few basketball results that will have taken place, uh, which – But none I mean, of – this will come out before before our next game on either side, right? Uh, before the women. The men's team play South Dakota on Thursday night, so it depends on whether or not we put the show out. Uh, okay. If, if, we, if me and Daniel are able to get together to get the show out earlier. So, you guys are hearing some show planning right now. That's not necessarily the intention, but it's not that big of a deal. Um, but, like, yeah, so there are going to be a few results that may look a bit different, but – Looking ahead for the women's team, it does feel like they've got some good opportunities to pick up some decent wins, but teams that are just certainly not unbeatable as they continue trying to build up. And then 
it's getting into SEC play and seeing if you can handle your business there. So we'll find out a lot more about that team as it goes on. But look, early returns of the women's season have been strong. Uh, can't take too much. Can't be disappointed uh, too bad taking the loss up to South Dakota State. That's a good program. Good hard fought game. Uh, went down to the wire. So hopefully they can build off that. And again, Colorado State comes to start uh, comes to Starkville this weekend, um, and that that's a a good opponent that you'll have at home, a chance to pick up a nice victory. Over on the men's side, the thing that I was looking up, because you were talking about them playing faster, what's funny, and, like, obviously I don't have it compared to the first few games. In terms of their possessions per game and points per possession, they're, like, in the same range that they averaged last season. Now, I think that's because they're defending longer. They're, 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 they're getting – opponents have to get longer into the shot clock. Well, so in Kimpom right now, uh, adjusted uh, defensive efficiency, they rank 24th in the country. Um. For the entirety mm-hmm. of last season, I think they were in the 40s. Now, again, that includes playing SEC teams. I do not expect Mississippi State's going to be a top 25 team in defensive efficiency over the entire season when you consider the teams you're going to face in the SEC. If they are, that's 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 something. Which it is adjusted, so it's adjusted for the to it is adjusted for competition. So even if you 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 can obviously maybe they can maintain that pace even against SEC teams. We'll see. Um, Looking ahead, I, the, I, go is ahead. There, is there a specific pace of play stat other than possessions per game? I, it, so Ken Palm uses has adjusted tempo, so it's possessions per forty minutes, and it's adjusted for opponent. So it takes into account what your opponent does and how good your opponent is. And right now, Mississippi State is three oh five. Three hundred fifth in the country. Three hundred fifth in the country. Um, hmm. their possessions per 40 minutes are 68.5 right now. Uh, so that should factor out the fact that they're, that they're, they're defending longer on D de- on defense. It, it probably would. I believe if looking at last year, okay. which state actually finished number 49 Kim Palm last year for as poor as that season felt, they were at 65.6 adjusted tempo. That was 259. So, a, a, a jump of about 50 spots in the positive, but the actual tempo rating itself is basically the same. So, but again, okay. you're talking about an entire season compared to three games. Um, yeah, that'll, that'll, those numbers will shake out. Speaking of Ken Palm, uh, I didn't, wa- I didn't get to watch the Akron game, so maybe they were really slow in that game. I got to see the second half of that one. Um, Mississippi State's 36 right now in Ken Palm. They started the preseason, I believe, in the 50s. Um, a nice jump up. Uh, again, number 24 in the country in uh, defensive efficiency. They're 53rd in offensive efficiency, which isn't great, but, I mean, that, that's pretty solid um, to this point in the season. I mean, you cover every game you play. That's what happens. Look, if I'm you... pretty sure we're 3-0 and against the spread. I don't know what the cover for the Arkansas Pine Bluff game, but I imagine we covered it considering – what we knew about that team at that point, because we thought the art, everybody would have thought Palm Bluff was decent heading into uh, the game against us after they limited TCU. Right. Now, strength of schedule for MSU right now. And look, it's three games, three games, no big deal. It's 286. And of course, that's that's totally factoring non-conference opponents. Um, once SEC strength of schedule comes in, you're going to take a huge boost. And you do have a few teams on your non-conference slate that can help you uh, help you some. But you know, we'll touch on those now in just a second here. But 
the fact that State has, has made this little jump, I mean, and I believe it was mentioned that Joe Lenardi has State kind of there on the bubble already in his early bracketology, just based on what you've seen thus far. So much can change. I'm not going to take too much stock in that stuff right now. But you're kind of showing, like, I mean, look, Akron is a good mid-major. Um, I, I think Corpus Christi can be a team that's good within their conference again. That, and you handle your business in those games, it, even despite facing some uh, – what's the word? Some adversity in those games. You, you came out and won big. You have South Dakota coming to Starkville on Thursday night. South Dakota's in their first year under a new head coach. Um, they've been a solid program for the past few years, but nothing special. Uh, you know, kind of in that – you know, it's winning records but not getting to tournaments. Um, and, you know, hopefully State can handle their business in that game. And then you go to Fort Myers for the Fort Myers tip-off where you'll play Marquette. Marquette in the, is in their second season under Shaka Smart. Um, he did an outstanding job last year, really outperforming expectations. They won 19 games and got to the tournament. Uh, but they lost their best players off that team and are kind of expected to be towards the bottom of the Big East this year. They are undefeated at this point. Tonight, as we are recording, they play Purdue. So that's a huge early season test for them to kind of get a gauge of how good Marquette actually is right now. Um, that is a team, though, you feel like if you're Mississippi State, you have a chance to add a decent win to the resume, but it's a team that's a game that's certainly winnable. And then as a part of that Fort Myers tip-off, not finalized yet, you will play either Georgia Tech or Utah. Uh, neither of those teams are particularly great right now, but it would be, you know, a, a power six victory. If you yeah, neutral site, neutral site game against a ACC or Pac-12 team, it's going to be not going to hurt. Right, and, it, and you're guaranteed a neutral side against the biggest team that was in the tournament a year ago. Um, so a chance to pick up a, a win there. Uh, obviously, later in the year, you're going to go up to Minnesota. I haven't checked on how the Gophers are doing thus far this year. I know last year they got off to a hot start because of a pretty weak non-conference slate, which included them coming to Starkville and beating us, and then they fell apart as uh, they got into Big Ten play. Um Drake has been a good team in the mid-major. I believe they're the Ohio Valley I Conference. Will, I Wait, will check, are they I'm OVC the or MVC? Schedule. Uh, Who? Drake. I can't remember if they're OVC or MVC. I don't know. Uh, I know Omaha is in the Summit League. We about to play. We play Omaha. We do. I'm just looking ahead some of the some of the names on the non-conference schedule. Up. Drake has been though a, a solid mid-major the last few seasons. They've gone to the tournament. Um, and then we mentioned earlier, you play at TCU for the SEC Big 12 Challenge at the end of January. Early returns on TCU have not delivered up to the preseason hype, but a lot can change. Um, that's still a team that yeah, has a lot Minnesota of experience. sucks, by the way. What, how are they looking right now? Uh, they beat – they've played three home games. They beat Western Michigan by one. They beat Sanford, St. Francis Brooklyn by less than 20 and lost to DePaul. By 17, 16. Ooh, and DePaul is bad. Um, so that state needs to go up to Minneapolis and get a win um, in, in early December when, when they face when they uh, take on the Golden Gophers. Um, and look, we talked about this in the preseason. Like the, the non-conference slate, there's a couple games on there that can be solid for your resume. You hey, don't have – Hey, hey, hey. Now, DePaul is undefeated. Just to let you know, but DePaul's been terrible for the past several years. DePaul's been terrible for the past twenty years. Um, but I actually saw today on Twitter a DePaul fan getting mad at like a barstool college basketball account, uh, and somebody in that account pulled up their year by year record 
going back like the last 15, 20 years, it's it's been bad. Like one winning season in there. Um, well, they they boat raced Minnesota in their own gym, so Minnesota's not good. Yeah, how you lose that game last year? I don't know. Well, Ben Howland, that's how. Uh, oh, but again, we talked about this. You've got some chances to add decent wins to the resume. You don't have a lot of games that are going to be like big. Like that's going to get you in the tournament. Which means if you're state, you have to take care of business. You got to win these games. If you want to talk about your opportunity to get to the NCAA tournament? There's not. You really can't afford many losses in this non-conference slate. Uh, maybe, look, if you took a loss to either Marquette or one of Georgia Tech, Utah, that might not be the end of the world, uh, although I wouldn't recommend it. Drake could be interesting. You're playing that game in Lincoln, Nebraska, by the way, uh, the Drake Bulldogs. And then, of course, TCU in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. I, I figured the, the Horn Frogs will get things figured out. Um, I wonder. If, oh, yeah, I was going to say I wonder if the Hypnotoad carries over to basketball. The Hypnotoad thing started with basketball last season for TCU. So they, they carried over to football. So We'll, we'll face the fighting hypno the hypno toad. We'll fight the face them later in the season in Starkville. That that's a game where I mean if you lose it, probably is what it is. But you certainly would like a chance to pick that up. Maybe it's still probably too early to start talking about tournament for MSU. But as we're pointing out, though, if they continue to play the way they are, you're going to have an argument in year one. And if this team can get to the NIT, that's obviously a fantastic season. Um, if somehow Chris Chance puts this thing together where he gets to the tournament, I think you're in for an incredible stretch of basketball uh, in Starkville. Um, so, I mean, look, that, that's I think that's mostly covering all the bases. I, I, I think we're repeating a lot of what we said just a couple weeks ago, but now we're seeing kind of the proof of concept based on, you know, the first few games. Uh, any closing thoughts from you on, you know, what we've seen out of the men's and women's teams thus far? Pack the hump. Pack the hump. To the hump for hoops. I don't know whatever hashtag you want to use, but uh, it's time to go. I mean, they're basically giving away tickets uh, to some of these non-conference games, especially these during the day uh, and on weeknights. So there's no excuse. We're, we're seeing the apathy touch rear its ugly head for football. It's time to kick it out the door for basketball, one sport at a time. Um, get to the get into the stadium because if there's ever a sport where t- fan attendance matters, I mean we've seen it in baseball where the dude effect can absolutely take control. That's rare, and we're blessed to have that. But it's it's true no matter who you are in basketball. A packed crowd does wonders for your team, and we're gonna need it especially come SEC time. Uh, looking at our at our home games right now for SEC, of course, old. You start off with Alabama and Ole Miss, uh, two of your first three SEC games at home, both over Christmas break. I'm still Which curious sucks. about that. Your your two biggest SEC rivals just sucks. And you get Tennessee uh, right after Christmas break ends, I, I believe. Don't quote me on that. Um, maybe the week before. Uh, you get Florida in here, Tennessee, Florida. Florida can coach. Uh, we'll see what they're what they're like. Of course, you'll get South Carolina in here. Um, at the end of the year, you get Texas A&M in here. Who knows what, what they're going to be like this year? You get Kentucky in Starkville uh, Wednesday, February, uh, the day after Valentine's Day. Got to have a big crowd for that game. We've we've we have the chance to be the sixth man uh, in all of those games. And then on the women's side of things, exact same thing. Um, I believe we have South Carolina this year. Don't quote me at home. Don't don't quote me on that. Yes, I know we played. I, I have the, I have the women's slate pulled up. So 
same issue as with the men's. You get Ole Miss January 1st. Um, New Year's Day. That hosting, is absolutely ridiculous. Hosting Ole Miss in Starkville before you go to Knoxville to take on Tennessee January 5th, and then you host South and Carolina. And South Carolina's over Christmas break. January 8th is Christmas break. Yeah, they moved. They they changed uh, the schedule. In the last two years, it's been Christmas Christmas break. We don't get back, to, or we. I'm not in school anymore. They don't get back till uh, the week of King Day. That's very weird. Uh, but yeah, that's a brutal opening SEC yep. stretch. I mean, Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt, and then I don't know how good Ole Miss is going to be this year. Obviously, they they had a good season last year. You know, snapped the losing streak to Mississippi State. Um, but you getting them in Starkville on New Year's Day. Uh, actually, New. It's New Year's Day, but the eve night of New Year's Day. And then you have to go to Tennessee, yeah. South Carolina, Texas A&M on the road. Um, that's a tough stretch to open up the season when you talk about women's basketball in the SEC. Uh, you will get Tennessee and Starkville I mean, later in the year. We have home games against – you get home games, like like you just said, the Lady Vols, Arkansas, uh, who's been really good team so, uh, recently. We'll see what Kentucky is this year. That's another home game. Um, Johnny Harris brings back uh, brings Auburn, who should be improved but not very good uh, for a home game. But same thing, like we need bodies in the seats. Yeah, well, I look, I absolutely agree. Look, hey, people are frustrated with football right now. I understand it. Um, some of it's justified. Uh, so, I mean, if you're looking for an outlet for a sport to go and be excited about and you know get behind, it needs to be basketball. I know you guys are going to do it for baseball. Um, but look, state fans have also shown with any of its programs that if they win, they'll show up. We saw it with volleyball. Uh, is it true soccer's not hosting that tournament game? It's a neutral site game. That's very weird. I don't. I feel like state's the higher seed. They should get the game. Well, we're, we're, it. I think certain seeds don't get to host except for what one game. And we're not one of those, I, I believe. I don't know if everybody gets to play a neutral site in the second round, but certain seeds do not or will not host. Okay, well, I know, like, though, you know, we've started to see some fans get behind the soccer program with some of the results. Um, softball, you saw what happened, you know, the, the, the crowds at duty. We, we wouldn't be the higher seed. We were the seven seed, so the second game, we shouldn't – we might – if unless – I think it wasn't upset on the other side. But the winner of that game would could procure the higher seed, depending on how you formatted it. You know, yeah, I, I know baseball. It's kind of the same way where they kind of even. It doesn't matter what you were seated in the tournament. They they they're going to completely even it out when you both win, which has never made sense. I said duty noble for softball. I mean news part, uh, but the, the the way fans got behind it, you've got two basketball programs that right now you have energetic coaches who are producing a good product on the court um certainly you can't promise anything results wise both teams have a lot of pieces that you're trying to get to come together and have a lot of kinks to work out as the season goes along but right now these are two fun teams to watch so certainly look if you're going to be frustrated with football and say you don't want to go there which i don't think that's the mentality to have but if that's the mentality you're going to have take some time to go support basketball um so as, as colton said get to the hump for hoops so that's going to do it for us um Obviously, you know, it's we, – we, again, we didn't we, – we don't feel like we had much to talk about when it comes to the, the football, when it comes to East Tennessee State. Now, do have a lot we're going to talk about when it comes to the Echo. 
And the current plan, and I can't promise anything here, is that we're going to do one big show sometime next week. We don't think we should have to be doing any kind of major recap for ETSU. Obviously, you'll hit on whatever the score is. Um, I may or may not do an instant reaction to that like I did with Bowling Green. I'm not going to promise that. If there's anything – we're It's not going to be a QB controversy internally, but a backup quarterback is going to get in the game and people are going to start talking, and we're going to have to address it. I'm, I'm anticipating that. Well, to be fair, at this point, I no longer am going to be upset for people having thoughts and i i've made my feelings it, it's going. a it's a conversation i listened to the show that y'all made last night today as we're as you're listening uh or as you're as we're recording and it is worth talking about it is up for discussion last year was a dumb I'm conversation this year it's fully justified but we don't have to get into that right now so anyway the plan is we'll probably have one big show that will be out either on uh like sometime on tuesday or wednesday to give you guys time to listen to it before the egg bowl where the hope, and I can't promise anything because it's scheduling, you never know, but the hope is that we can get everybody on in some facet, all four members, to talk about their predictions for the Egg Bowl, their thoughts on the season, their thoughts on where the program's at, and, you know, just some, hey, like some fun Egg Bowl talk about, you know, your favorite memories in the rivalry, stuff like that. Um, Man. So that's the hope for next week to have a good show out for you guys. Uh, Colton, do you have something you want to say? It looks like you did. Um, if you – or one of those that sold your ticket to a Georgia fan. First of all, completely shafting whoever sits next to you at these games, for those of you that are season ticket holders, shame on you. I mean, I, I could not do that to my to who I hope at this point in the season you're friends or at least friendly by now. Maybe maybe they they spilt their drink on you and you hate them and, I, and whatever. But to do that to a Bulldog and make them sit next to Georgia fans because you'd rather recoup your money then have pride in your team is ridiculous. Don't if you can't afford the tickets, don't buy the tickets. Uh, but I, and I hope if that if that offends you, then I hope you quit listening to the show because we don't. I, I really don't want you to enjoy hearing my voice anymore. And I know it's very sultry and delicious to hear my voice, but you no longer have that right. If you, I, I'll you can DM me with your mitigating circumstances and I'll review those on a case by case basis. But for the most part, there are a million and one ways. If you're listening to the show, more than likely you heard about it on social media, you can find somebody to sell or give your ticket to that will be wearing maroon. Don't buy tickets that you can't afford and think that you have to sell them. Okay. Consider that your, your, your sacrifice for being a bulldog. All right. We've lived through enough. We can handle a little bit of a, of a loss, we'll say a financial loss as it's perceived, although it's a great value in terms of how season tickets, how good it is to have a season ticket in that section. That's all I'll say about that. Uh, it's ridiculous. I was embarrassed. That was more embarrassing to me than any loss we've taken on the field at any point. Yeah, it was a tough look. Um, and and, I, and I'm really glad – I'm sure people are talking about it outside of Mississippi State circles, but I haven't seen it make the rounds on Barstool or on uh, Ole Miss circles or anything. I was Thank expecting God, it too. Because I'm embarrassed. I'm in, I'm, I'm embarrassed. And and I'll talk about it on my Mississippi State podcast, but I, I can't go to school and bring it up because I don't want my Ole Miss friends to know about it. I, I'm hoping they would just conveniently miss that because it's embarrassing. 
it's it's one thing to be embarrassed because your team played bad, but that's us. Us specifically as fans. Choked. I mean, we we dropped the ball almost literally, like figuratively, of course, completely did not show up literally and and just made fools of ourselves. It it that's embarrassing. If Auburn could pack out a stadium for a lame duck coach with a much worse team, a much worse team that everybody knew was going to be bad and then was probably a bit worse than even the most realistic Auburn fans thought until last week. And they packed out their stadium week in, week out this season. It's ridiculous. With eight home games. So if you have eight home games, you're like, oh, if I miss one, I've got seven more to go to. But they're still packing it out. It's it's embarrassing. Uh, I, I feel sorry for whoever has to sell tickets because I feel like they're doing everything they can and, and they're just ending up in the fans hands of uh, opposing fans are not being sold. And it's, it's, it's a problem. I don't care that you have to drive. I mean, if you, if you live on the Gulf coast or in Louisiana or something like I get it, but if you're in Jackson, man, like come to the game, that that's, that's, you're doing the bare minimum at that point. You'll be a participant, not a consumer. I'm done. I'm sorry. I'm in, I'm in medical school and have no money. I have medical school and I have no money. I have a test every single Monday that's harder than anything I've ever I've ever taken before and I have been to four games. There's no excuse. All right. Wrong words there from Colton Watson. I apologize. No, not not a problem. I apologize. Um, (laughs) We were closing the show on a more positive note and then that comes in. Uh but look, yeah, no, it wasn't a good show, and we talked about that some on the last pod. But uh, look, if you know, I mean, it's to... it's 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 one thing for your team to do bad, but we did bad, like us. Like like everybody thinks they have a sense of of removedness from the on field results, but that is something that is directly on us. It's definitely a tough bad. look, but right, uh, I'm done. You. Back to the, the point of attendance. If you can get behind the men's and women's teams, you certainly should because they're they're a lot of fun to watch. Uh, but again, looking ahead to next week, we're going to try to do a big preview show for the Egg Bowl. So you're going to have one pot out early next week to talk about that game, and then we'll figure out something in terms of what happens afterwards. Um, obviously, holiday weekend. I don't want to force people to get on and talk about even if state wins, which you know you know if that happens, of course, it'd be a fun pod. But even if that's the case, what we're saying to- is what. What we're saying is you'll get it when you'll get it, but you will get it. Yeah. We, we don't want to take people away from their families, even if it's something fun to talk about. Um, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of fun discussion with everything happening in MSU athletics right now. As football season's, you know, winding down, basketball season's getting fired up. You have some other teams that are, you know, have, have had some big news that we've talked about. So a lot of fun. Thanks for listening. And as always, swing your sword. Hail State.